This may be uh, one of the harder sermons for me to preach. And I hope that, uh, I hope I can get through it. Um, Let me just start off by just saying how thankful, how very thankful I am. this congregation. My wife, Elizabeth, and I and our family, we will be here for, I think, at least two more weeks, uh, Lord willing, to, to, to be here uh, and, and Lord willing to rejoice with you if Greg uh, should become our pastor here. I find it ironic but also fitting that Elizabeth and I began simply as members here at Fellowship and we're ending as members here at Fellowship. Praise the Lord for that. I'm very grateful for each and every one of you, uh, though we'll be here for two more weeks. Uh, this will be my last Sunday as pastor, and this will be my last sermon uh, as your shepherd. And I'm very grateful for each and every one of you. I think that in looking at, at so many of you, I really do believe that the Lord has put our family here for such a pivotal time, not because we're any special, not at all, but simply because the Lord was gracious to us as a family and also uh, to this church so that together we could join arms and work through many of the difficulties that we came across. And I'm very proud to say as your pastor, Knowing so many of you, I'm very proud to say what a blessing it has been. Through good times and through challenging times, what a blessing it has been. And I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. My sermon this morning is from Psalm 23. So if you have your Bibles, please be in the text with me as we are going to preach our way through this psalm. And I've titled it very simply, The Lord is My Shepherd. In my time at FBC, I've enjoyed getting to know so many of you. In doing so, I've seen firsthand some of the trials many of you have gone through personally. Sometimes it's been a financial crisis. Sometimes it's been the loss of a loved one. Sometimes it's been the hardship of enduring a less than desirable job, to put it nicely. At other times it involved tears of parenting wayward children. Each and every one of you 
have had, or you will have, difficulty in life. You know that, don't you? There's no question about it. So, how should I leave you? As your pastor, in whose hands do I leave you? Is perhaps the most important question, right? In whose hands do I leave you? As your shepherd. And what text of scripture might I preach on in order to send you forward as sheep? I can't think of a better text than Psalm 23. Yes, I've been your shepherd for a short period of time. But this morning I leave you in the hands of our chief shepherd. And while I pray you will experience much joy in Christ in the future. At the same time, we know that inevitably many challenges await us as children of God, as pilgrims, as exiles in this world. So my aim this morning is to show you your shepherd, the one who cares for you, provides for you, protects you, and the one who is with you, the one who will never forsake you, and the one who will never leave you. If I can do that, well, I think my job here at Fellowship Baptist Church as your under-shepherd is complete. For I leave you in the hands of of a much greater shepherd who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. With that said, I want you to look at Psalm 23 with me. Besides John 3.16, there may be no passage in all of the Bible as familiar as Psalm 23. Psalm 23, in my opinion, is perhaps the most beautiful poem in all of the Bible. Psalm 23 is written by King David, David was very much a warrior, wasn't he? You think of his great battle and victory over Goliath. Isn't it remarkable that this man whom God raised up to defeat Goliath, to take off his head, was the same man who turned around, sat down, and wrote poetry. Let you put that together for your biblical understanding of manhood. We don't know the circumstances of surrounding David when he wrote this poem. We don't even know when he wrote this poem. The psalm, though, it's clear, isn't it? The psalm is a prayer. It's a prayer of trust. Trust. Trust in the God who had entered into a covenant with his people. The God who had promised to fulfill his covenant promises to his people. Really, Psalm 23 is a meditation on what the Lord does for the person who trusts in Him. I hope that's you this morning. I hope it's you. I pray it's you. I hope as you listen to this psalm, you are one of God's covenant children and you are hearing these 
words of great comfort to you. In this chapter, we listen to a psalm. We really listen to a poem, a song and a poem of confident faith in who the Lord is and what he has done and will do for those who love him. With that said, I give you three points that are going to guide us through this morning's message. You can find them on your outline in your bulletin. Number one, our shepherd provides spiritual nourishment and leads us in the way of righteousness. Verses one through three. The psalm begins with a metaphor. The Lord is my shepherd. David was a shepherd, wasn't he? Before he conquered Goliath, David was tending his father's sheep. What did this require? Well, it meant that David had to feed them. He had to lead them to grass, to graze upon. He had to direct them to water, to drink. He even had to pursue them when they wandered away from him, perhaps sometimes stubbornly so. Wandered away, maybe close to a cliff, not knowing the danger that was ahead of them. He had to even, imagine this, he had to even fight for them. Perhaps just for one of them, it was worth it. If he was going to remain a true shepherd, He had to fight for them when, say, a wild animal was approaching, looking to devour one of his sheep. He had to stand in front of that sheep and guard it with his life. This image is one of care, strong care. The shepherd was the one who met the needs of his sheep, For he is the one who knows what is best for them. Notice in this psalm, the sheep, when they are under the care of the shepherd, the sheep lack no good thing, nor is there any deficiency because the shepherd provides for them and he nurtures them. David applies this this metaphor to our relationship with the Lord, who he says is our shepherd. And because the Lord is our shepherd, David draws the quick conclusion at the very beginning of this psalm that we, therefore, need not want. In other words, the results for you and for me, when we are cared for by the Lord, our shepherd, the result is that we don't lack any good thing. And you have to think beyond the superficial mentality of the world out there of what good means to grasp this. Don't think in terms of such a small understanding of blessing. 
No, the Lord has here something much deeper, something in far more depth than just physical blessing. He has in mind here the very care and nurture that comes to our very soul when we are in communion with the Lord God. Because He's our shepherd, we shall not want. Notice the picture David is painting here to demonstrate how our shepherd is one who cares for us. Don't let anyone ever tell you that the Lord is some deistic being who is only transcendence and never imminence, never personal. Yes, the Lord is all-powerful, sovereign, other, but He is also the one who has stooped down, as John Calvin liked to say, He has stooped down like a parent to a child and He speaks baby talk in order to accommodate Himself to us and our needs. We see this throughout these first couple of verses. Look at verse 1 and verse 2. In verse 1, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. Next to water, could there be anything more important for sheep than fresh green grass? Green grass was a sign of springtime. The shepherd would lead his sheep to grassy pastures so that they could feed to their heart's content. And then they could lie down and rest. This metaphor by comparison is a way of saying very simply, the Lord spiritually feeds us. He doesn't feed us just any food. He feeds us the best spiritual food. And what is that? What is the best spiritual food God could give us? It's His Word. You notice how this same David will say in a later psalm that he meditates on what? On the law of the Lord, day and night. Why would he do that? It's His food. It's his food. It's the word. His word feeds the hungry soul. Are you here this morning hungry for the Lord? But God's word, it not only feeds our hungry soul, it's not not just food, it is, it tastes good. It tastes very good. It is sweet to the lips. Psalm 119 says, God's word is sweeter than honey. If you've ever had pure honey, you know just how sweet it is. In the Old Testament, the Israelite was fed the word of God by under-shepherds whom the Lord had put over their care. Priests in Israel, whose responsibility it was to teach and to feed the people the word of God in the house or the sanctuary of the Lord. Go home and on your own time, read a book like Malachi chapter 2, and you see this responsibility. This was 
the main responsibility, and isn't it the main responsibility of the elders of this church, to feed you the Word of God. But look at verse 2. He goes on. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. It's not just green pastures that the sheep enjoy. It's still waters too. Are you starting to notice a pattern in the text? The sheep lie down in green pastures. They are led by still waters. The picture, in other words, is one of peace and calm. Not only are the sheep being fed, and not only is their thirst being quenched, but the shepherd provides rest. Rest. Rather than being led by a pounding waterfall or perhaps white water rapids, the sheep are led to safe waters. Waters that won't kill them, but refresh them. These waters not only refresh them, but one of the ways that they, they, they nurture the sheep is they also cleanse them. If a sheep was to have cuts or bruises or wounds, the shepherd would take the, the sheep to the water, not only so that they could drink, but so that their bloody wounds could be cleansed. Healing could start taking place. What do these calm, cleansing waters convey? The metaphor conveys spiritual refreshment and cleansing for you if you are a child of God. The Lord Himself renews your spirit in the midst so often of chaos. The Lord Himself quenches your thirst when you are in a spiritual drought. Have you been there? Maybe you're there today. And most importantly, the Lord Himself takes the water and He washes away our sins. All of this is evidenced in that one phrase, He restores my soul. What does it mean for God to Restore my soul. What does that mean? To restore means to return something back to its intended and original condition. The Lord restores our soul primarily by forgiving our sins. Listen to what David says elsewhere. This is Psalm 51. Have mercy. <laughs> what a psalm this is in light of David's horrendous sin of murder and adultery. Listen to what this murderer and adulterer has to say. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. You think your sin 
It was too tough for Jesus to forgive. This is David talking. Wash me. Wash me. Wash me thoroughly, he says, from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. He goes on to say later in that same psalm, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Or consider Psalm 31. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Whose sins, whose sin is it's covered. Didn't Psalm 1 have something to say about blessing? Here David says, Psalm 31 says, you want to know what the blessed life is like? You want to know what the happy life is like? It's not what the world tells you is the happy life, the blessed life. The blessed life, he says, is one, not one that doesn't have sins. Someone says, says one whose sins, they're gone. They're forgiven. They are covered by the Lord. Psalm 32, verse 11. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. Rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. What happens when our Lord restores our soul? What happens at that point? Verse 3, Psalm 23, verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, not only does God forgive us when we come to him in repentance and faith, not only does he forgive us, cleanse us, renew us, but he then, he doesn't just leave us there, he then leads us in his ways and for his name's sake. In his sovereignty, he directs us in the way that we should go, like any good shepherd would do with his sheep. I love how one author puts it. The point is that God never leads anyone in an unrighteous way. He always leads in the the righteous way. And where is that? He leads in the righteous way, which is the way home. Did you notice in this verse, so important when you're reading your Bible, I know I've said this again and again, but so important, here's a, just a footnote on, on Bible study, so important to read slowly. There's a time to read quickly, to, to get the whole story. There's also times, especially with passages like Psalm 23, to just slow down. Meditate on it. Read it. Eat it. Chew it slowly. 
when we do so, what, what do we notice in verse 3? We notice that God's fame, His reputation, His glory is on the line. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Hmm. You see, should, should the Lord lose, should a shepherd lose his sheep or lead them in the wrong direction, then he will become known as an irresponsible, careless, and worthless shepherd. We know from Scripture, however, that this is never the case with the Lord. Sometimes we're tempted to think it's the case. Hard times, it's never the case. Instead, throughout the story of the Bible, God is glorifying His own name by His ability to lead His people safely home. And sometimes, that path as we'll see in a minute, is a path through a very dark valley. Safety often comes through a dark valley. This is the task of the Lord. And people, He never fails to accomplish it. If you are here this morning as a child of God, you have trusted in Jesus Christ And His promises, His gospel promises, He will not abandon you. Fellowship Baptist Church, He will not abandon you as a church. I don't care how hard things get. He is your shepherd and He will bring you safely home. Number two. Our shepherd protects and defends us. Verses 4 through 5. He protects and he defends us. So far, Psalm 23 has been full of peace. Maybe we want to stop there. (laughs) Psalm 23, 1 through 3. Thank you. Close my Bible. We're done. No, there's more. The Lord leads us by still waters. He leads us by green pastures. But what happens when that very path of righteousness that he talked about, it is one that must go through a valley of death where evildoers sit ready to pounce upon us. And every step in the valley, we think it might be our last. Have you ever walked on ground like this where maybe on ice, in in a cold place, where you step and it cracks and you wonder, is this going to be my last step? That's what this valley is like. What happens then? What happens at this point? Where is the Lord then? What are we to think when our lips are bleeding because They haven't had any still waters for weeks and months. What are we to think when our stomach is grumbling because there are no green pastures in sight? Has the Lord abandoned us? Are we like sheep that have no shepherd? 
lost in a dry wilderness with steep cliffs on each side and wild animals ready to devour us? Where is the Lord when death itself is calling us, ready to have us? Answer, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's your answer. Did you notice how David stops talking about the Lord and now all of a sudden he is talking to the Lord? It's as if he is praying, isn't he? Lord, here I am, Lord. Death is here. Lord, where are you? Evil is is ready to take me and David would have known this so often as he hid in caves, not knowing if Saul was about to take his life. This is a man you can relate to if you are going through a difficult time. And what does David say? I know you are with me. I know that you have not left me. And so, I need not be afraid. David is saying, he is praying to the Lord, Lord, though everything around me seems to say otherwise, I know that you are like that strong shepherd who takes his his rod and his staff, steps in front of me to fight off that bear, wolf. You're here, Lord, walking in front of me, protecting me, guarding me. Because I know that to be true, it affects my heart, and I feel comforted. Here we see one of the most powerful metaphors describing the Lord's protection. I can't help but think of what Jesus said to Peter. This is in Luke 22. You don't have to turn there. Luke 22, just listen. These are amazing words to Peter. I want you to to listen to these words, having in mind Jesus as my shepherd. Listen to what he says. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you 
that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Or consider how the Lord responds to Satan just before Satan is about to harm Job. Job 1.12 Behold, this is the Lord speaking, Behold, all that he has is in your hand, Satan. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. What is the similarity between both these verses? In both of them, Satan has to come before the throne of King Jesus to ask for permission to even lay a hand, a finger on one of God's children. Death and hell itself cannot come one inch closer to us apart from God's say-so. You realize that? That is the shepherd we are talking about. You see, we desperately need the eyes of faith, don't we? All we see is the dark valley of the shadow of death. All we see is evil on every side. But if we could just open our eyes, as David seems to be able to do, just for a moment in Psalm 23, open our eyes we would see that the Lord himself is walking through this valley with us. The Lord himself stands in front of us. His rod, his staff are there, forbidding evil to come one step closer. If only we could open our eyes and see his staff Fear would run out of our souls and comfort would come and make his home within us. In my opinion, verse 5 is one of the most paradoxical verses in all of the Bible. And yet it it is the verse that our entire soul hangs upon. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. (laughs) Let me just read this again because I'm not sure that we understand what this looks like. Listen to this one more time. You prepare a table before me where? In the very presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Where? Where? In the very presence of my enemies. In the bottom of the shadow of the, of the valley of the shadow of death. That's where. <laughs> Do you get this? Do you understand the magnitude of what David is saying here? I mean, have you ever driven, perhaps let me try to bring this point home. Have you ever driven through a neighborhood that was so dangerous and so dark 
that you thought to yourself, if I stop this car, I might just be murdered. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You've been there, haven't you? When Elizabeth and I were dating a long time ago, she spent a whole summer in Richmond, Oakland, California, working and living at a homeless shelter. As it turns out, Richmond was the murder capital in the country at that time. I believe that's accurate, or at least it was very high up there. It was a very long summer. I was not with her, and I constantly worried about her safety. Things you do in college. There were certain roads there that you, you just didn't drive down. Because you knew, and any, anyone there on the street would tell you the same, you knew if you go down that road and you are the wrong person, you will probably get shot. Very likely. Often there were gunshots at night. People died all the time from the violence. But what if you not only pulled over your car, but then you, you, you rolled down your windows, and then, and then you, you reclined back in your seat, and you turned on the radio to your favorite music, and took off your shoes, and you put them up on the dashboard. And then you took a nap. Now you are starting a little to get a picture of what Psalm 23 is talking about. You see, anyone looking at that picture would say, you are a fool. You are an idiot. What are you thinking? But in the context of Psalm 23, here I'm speaking spiritually, of course. In the context of Psalm 23, you are no fool if the Lord is your shepherd in the valley of death. In the middle of the valley of death, with one's enemies standing there ready to spill your blood, God says, child, sit down. (laughs) Relax. Look, I've prepared a meal for you. Eat, drink, be happy. You have nothing to fear. Why? Because I am with you. Well, it may seem strange to us in the 21st century to have oil poured on your head. In Old Testament times, this was a sign of refreshment and happiness. Pouring oil on your head was a way to freshen up, to smell good, to to soothe your, your dry skin. Oil also symbolized prosperity. It was used by kings. It was also a way of showing honor 
as was the case in Luke 7 when that woman anointed Jesus with oil. It was a sign of festivity and joy. And here in Psalm 23, it is a way of saying, yes, your enemies surround you. Yes, death does encompass you. But in this moment, the Lord will pour oil on your head because you are to be filled with joy and happiness. You, your soul is to be comforted. It is to be refreshed. The cup in verse 5 says something very similar. It's, it is filled to the point of overflowing. It's as if God has prepared for you a banquet right in the middle, middle of a ghetto. Your enemies are at the door and God says, let the banquet begin. Why? Why? How can we possibly say this? How can we possibly stand there and though everything screams at us, put aside all anxiety, all worry, and in the middle of that, feast. Why can we do that? Maybe if you're here this morning, you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, you've wondered, how do Christians do that? It's because our chief shepherd protects us, defends us, and he is there with us. Which brings us to our last point, number three. Our shepherd faithfully loves us and we enjoy communion with him. Verse 6. Verse 6 describes the loyal love of the Lord. In light of everything we have learned in verses 1 through 5, we can know that as his children, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. That word mercy, by the way, we could also maybe paraphrase it as loyal love. This is what it's getting at. David is trying to convey that the Lord's love is loyal to you. It will pursue you and follow you. It will not let you go. It will protect you and make you prosper. In the context of God's covenant, this loyal love describes God's faithfulness. His faithfulness To keep his covenant with us. His faithfulness to fulfill his covenant promises to us. David was chased by many evil men in his lifetime. But none pursued David as forcefully, as persistently, as effectively as the Lord. The same is true for you if you are a child of God. The end of this psalm is full of comfort. Those who are under the care of this shepherd, pursued by this covenant mercy and love, David says they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Could there be a better place for the child of God? In the Old Testament, the house of the Lord was where the presence of the Lord was. It was the place where believers had fellowship, communion with God. It was where God himself made 
Himself known. Manifested His presence and was worshipped. It was the place where God's people found forgiveness and joy. It was the place where God's people were fed God's Word. It is the place where His children learn to walk in the way of righteousness. Is it any surprise that this is the same place David wants to be more than anywhere else? Here is where he finds communion with the God of the universe. I don't think it's any accident, do you, that Jesus, as a boy, is found by his mother where? In the temple, the house of the Lord. Luke 2, 49, Jesus says to his mother, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? In God's house, the believer has unbroken, uninterrupted communion with his Savior. One of the reasons I love the Psalms so much is because they point us to Jesus. I can't help but see throughout this Psalm how we as Christians this side of the cross now have our chief shepherd in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke 15, it is Jesus who is referred to as the shepherd who retrieves lost sheep in need of repentance. In John 6.39, Jesus says he is the shepherd who does not lose even one of the sheep the Father has given to him. In John 10, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, the good shepherd, the one who calls his sheep by name, the one who lays down his life for his sheep. Do you understand that this is exactly what Jesus has done for you? He is the shepherd who laid down his life so that you could be taken to those waters and cleansed of your sins. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 40. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. My final word to you as a congregation is this. Faithfully, persistently, and joyfully follow Jesus. For he is your shepherd. He will restore your soul. He will lead you in paths of righteousness. For he, as your shepherd, has given his life for you. And he calls you by name. Let's pray. Mighty God, we are like sheep that wander and stray away. How we need Jesus. We need to be cleansed by those waters, refreshed spiritually, our sins forgiven, made clean. I pray for anyone who's here that is not in Christ 
wandering through that valley of death, that they may call on the chief shepherd to walk in front of them. And for those who are your children, who you have called by name, may you guide them, lead them from that valley to your house. In the name of Jesus, amen.